Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, my friend Cody Nelson, the glassing guru, the optics authority. He's the optics manager at GoHunt.com. If you have any interest in buying optics or have any glassing questions, whether it be tripods, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, range finders, anything to do with glassing, give Cody a call, 702-847-8747, that's extension 2, or you can email him at optics at gohunt.com. You can also send him a text or call him on his cell phone at 602-399-3699. Guys, right now at GoHunt.com Insider, you can take advantage of the free trial. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott. You're going to be able to take advantage of a free trial of the Insider. GoHunt is always adding more value for their Insider members. They've now added real 3D maps as a part of Insider for no additional cost. What an incredible value. Very soon, they're going to have their mobile app up as well. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash Scott and sign up for a free trial. If you're already an Insider member, it's automatically part of your Insider membership. And you can just go to the Maps tab up at the top once you sign in as an Insider. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's the gear that I wear on all of my hunts. To find out more, you can go to KUIU.com, Kuyu.com. They're a direct-to-consumer company. They sell everything off of the Kuyu.com website. I also do a lot of question and answer on my Instagram where I'm answering questions about guys wanting to know about gear about Kuyu, so tune into my Instagram. I want to thank Kuyu for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Phonescope.com. Use the JScott20 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. Again, thanks to all the sponsors of my podcast. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we've got my friend Steve Chapel of Chapel Guide Service in Arizona. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing great today, Jay. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I want to get a recap from you. It sounds like everyone I've talked to so far, the Arizona elk season was very, very difficult. For someone like yourself who's hunted it as long as you have, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, Jay, it was definitely overall for sure a disappointment. You know, I'm definitely always optimistic and always hoping that things as the season went on would get better, but it just stayed, started out lackluster and just stayed that way. We really had a subdued rut and they just never really got going. So for any guys who were disappointed that they didn't draw tags this year, uh, like I know I was disappointed that I didn't get a tag, I... (laughs) I'm really feeling pretty good about that right now. Even though the antlers were good, uh, the rut just really was never there. Steve, starting out this summer, you know, after having, you know, good winter moisture, um, not great, but good winter moisture, you know, we always start talking about how important the monsoon rains are and, you know, getting those summer rains and, you know, getting the country freshened up and greened up so those cows are you know, feeling good and their body condition is in good shape going into the rut. Um, With as much experience as you have uh, with elk in Arizona, uh, do you feel like it was just pretty much a factor of no monsoon rains and so a lot of the cows didn't cycle? Yeah, Jay, I totally do. Um, It seems like the longer I do this, the more I realize and the more I'm reminded, even if I forget, 
that it's all about the health of the of the elk and it's all about the cows um, you know the bulls are directly responding to what's going on with the cows and when the cows aren't healthy enough to cycle um, normally you just have really you know no bugling or very subdued bugling and when you have that very subdued bugling they're just not real responsive to calls at all um, but I, I definitely think that this uh, you know lackluster rut was really related to the range conditions being very poor. Um, you know, one good thing is I only saw a couple of elk that looked kind of on the poor side. Other than that, the elk looked good to me as far as their weight and their health. Um, so I just kept thinking that the rut was going to happen. It just never did. Um, so I'm holding out some hope that maybe they'll go ahead and winter. Okay. Um, and, and that will be okay going into next year because, you know, their bodies looked good. I think that they have built into them. I think God has programmed into them, um, you know, into their bodies. And, and, and they just have a way of knowing when those conditions are so poor and, and they, they preserve themselves. And, you know, a cow taking on a calf is, is definitely not what she needs to do uh, when conditions are like they are currently. Yeah, for sure. Um at what point in time did you know in, you know, as optimi- optimistic as you like to be, but where deep down were you like, oh boy, here we go. Was there a point that that the light bulb went off in your head that went, I know exactly what's going to happen? <laughs> you know, I, I stayed optimistic, but I would say about midway through the archery hunt, I just really it started sinking in. Um, I haven't experienced a year like this since 2002. 2002 was the last year I can remember being really droughty like this all the way up into the fall. Um, And so, yeah, it started sinking in on me. Um, You know, (laughs) I started realizing it doesn't matter how great you sound on the calls. (laughs) They don't care. (laughs) All of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's all about the elk and, you know, you can blow any call or sound as good as you want. And if their hormones are not there, they're, you're just not going to get the response. I mean, you might as well be blowing a kazoo at them at that point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you were in unit nine for, uh, the archery hunt. And then I believe for the early rifle, um, as far as I believe there's a hundred tags in unit nine, if you had to speculate just from what you saw and what you heard and, you know, the, the rumor mill out of the hundred, uh, hunters, how many bulls do you think were actually tagged? If you just had to take a guess, Jay, I would have to say less than 30. And if I see a success rate posted higher than that, I'm not going to be a believer. Um, I think really about the only way most people were able to tag a bull would have been to, to sit water. And um, I, I personally observed people who were getting two trick tanks, I mean, in the dark. I mean, we're talking way, way before daylight. And one Capping guy out. bringing the sleeping bag. Yeah. And yeah. literally sleeping in the ground blind. N- nothing against that. I mean, I... I I, I, you know, really respect their resolve and their determination, but, and then staying in the ground blind from dark to dark. I mean, that, that takes commitment. Um, you know, I'm just not, that's not my style. I like to call 
um, you know, and I kind of live or, or die by that. And so that's, that's how I do things. But I really believe that if people were going to get a bull, it was going to be on water. And I think the elk, from what I observed on the trail cameras, became pretty nocturnal for the most part because of the intense pressure that the limited water sources were getting because we just there were very very limited uh water source ponds i should say that had water sure it's mostly just trick tanks and so they got a lot of pressure steve out of unit nine uh, granted it was it was all pretty rough were there any strips or sections areas um sides of the unit etc that 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 were better than others did you find any you know any feet at all or was it virtually from head to toe uh just no feet at all um there were little strips that had some green up it looked like a pretty good uh, monsoon storm had had gone through in the more eastern part of the unit um and hit that uh and, and some ponds there caught some water and had some water um but overall, yeah, other than that, it was just incredibly just moonscape dry. Um, there was a lot of cattle in the unit. Um, you know, I'm definitely pro rancher, pro cattle, but boy, it was it was tough. Some areas that I really like to hunt um, were just completely devastated. Um, and, and the elk were definitely having to, to compete with that. So that made it a rough scenario, too. But um, yeah, other than that one little area, I, I didn't notice anything else that looked good for green up. So I, I really saw the elk hammering the oak leaves. Um, they'll probably get on the uh, cliff rows as well. Um, but they were really after the oak leaves while I was there. Anybody out there listening that has some of these late archery uh, tags, I believe they have in nine. I want to say there's like 30 tags. Um, yeah. Is there any optimism, you know, from, from what you saw as far as maybe lack of broken points or, you know, is, is there any thoughts that you have for those guys that have those tags or even the late tags um, that would that would make you think that maybe this year for those seasons uh, they might actually do okay? Yeah, I think there's a couple of bright spots for those guys. Number one is lack of broken points. I did not see a mature bull anyway. You know, some little dinks, you know how they are. They're yeah. always tangling it up. But I did not see a mature, you know, 300-plus bull with a broken point the wow. entire time that I was there. So I think the bulls, by and large, made it through un unbroken. And then also I think the, the lower success rate, uh, obviously let a lot of bulls go through. So there's going to be, you know, more bulls than usual available for that late archery and late rifle hunt. Now, granted, neither of those hunts are easy. Um, I know for those archery hunters, again, unless we get some substantial rains, they're going to be faced with limited water sources and probably very competitive for those. Um, but, but nonetheless, a lot of carryover uh, for those guys for sure. Sure. And speaking about carryover, when you start looking at a rough year like this, I mean, when you're mentioning O2, I mean, I'm, I remember I was in unit one in O2, yeah. probably one of the best units in the state if it's dry to be in. And I was fortunate to be there, you know, 18 years ago. Um, but when, you, you know, you start talking about a year like that, I start thinking about next year because it sounds like across the whole state that the, the harvest was down. Uh, and you know, the success was down, uh, potentially for next year, if we could have a good winter and have, you know, a good monsoon, 
potentially, you know, normally unit nine would have, you know, I think just off the top of my head, a 60 or 70% kill rate on the archery hunt. And, you yeah. know, to only probably have, you know, 25 or 30%, you know, there's 25 to 40 bulls that make it through and potentially make it through these late seasons that next year have a full year of age on them. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I completely agree with that, Jay. Um, it could be very good in that respect with that carryover with an older age class of bulls uh, making it through to next year. I think these bulls don't get big and old by being out where they can be killed easily on late rifle or even late archery hunts. I, I think they go hide and, and do that very well. So um, they could make it to next year. I'll say this, even if they don't grow the antlers that they've grown the last two years, I'm just really hopeful that we can break out of this dry monsoon cycle that we seem to be stuck in uh, the last couple of years. I, I mean, for me, I would take less antlers and better bugling and better rutting activity um, than, than what we had this year. Uh, it's really disappointing on the rutting end. Um, you know, so hopefully we've got some 350 and better bulls next year but a lot better rutting yeah for sure you know steve i was over at the ot six ranch uh i got over there on the 31st of august and obviously it was really dry in our country there too um i don't know if you saw that or if your dad reported in from red mesa but uh that it was about the first week of september we did have kind of a freak snowstorm come through and uh, all over the ranch from from different areas to the other it was you know anywhere from eight to 14 inches of snow in a wow. in a freak storm and it seemed like it, and then it warmed up uh within a couple days after that storm and it seemed like a, about a week after that the country just really tinted up green and and you know it didn't come on strong with you know strong feed but it definitely greened up and um the elk there they just they just absolutely went crazy i mean they they usually rut and bugle really really well but it was kind of crazy to see a freak storm like that drop that much snow i mean hunter and i were just you know kind of blown away at, at how much it actually snowed in the high country on the ranch it was you know 14 inches in some places wow and I was keeping up some, uh, you know, in the mornings I would see your videos you were posting and I would smile and say, yep, that's what elk are supposed to act like. These are, <laughs> are going to do this real soon. You know, every day. Like, Kept you positive, huh? <laughs> today's opening morning. You know, we're going to do this. But, um, yeah, it was really neat keeping up with your videos and seeing, seeing the rutting there. Um, we did not get that storm up at the ranch, um, but we did get some rain. Um, I know the, the elk up at, you know, the Southwest Colorado ranch are going to rut. Well, they always do dry, wet in between. It doesn't seem to matter. I don't know what it is about them. It's almost like a culture there. They, they're just very vocal. So that's I good. That kicks off that. what this week, I think this Saturday, right? Is opening day of first rifle season in Colorado. Yeah. So coming off of these Arizona hunts, I'm really looking forward to enjoying some intense rutting and, and seeing what it's supposed to be like for sure. Uh, you know, we, we were able to grind it out and, and killed a couple of nice bulls in Arizona, no doubt. And, you know, a couple of my guides were able to get with hunters and, you know, one of my guides, uh, was part of, uh, the, the killing of a, a 380 bull in unit 10, which was, was really awesome. So, you know, we did have some success here and there, but, um, you know, we're definitely looking forward to a better year next year for sure. 
Yeah, and your zero hunt fees program, um, you know, on a year like this where you've got people in the program that are signed up and, you know, annual members, um, you, you can just smile. And, and the guys that were all upset in the spring that didn't draw, you can probably just smile and reassure them that this was not the year to draw. And um, how is your zero hunt fees program going? Yeah, thank you, Jay. Very well. Um, I agree with that. This is a year where guys can really look back and feel good that they've still got their points. Um, I tell you, I learned something for sure. I feel like no matter what my situation is or what a hunter situation is, I think that point guard for $5 when you apply is worth its weight in gold. Because if you if we roll into another year like this at any point, and a, a guy draws a tag, they better really think twice if we have a super dry monsoon like this year. And, um, you know, make sure and buy that point guard when you apply so that you've got that option. Um, because I think you can you can turn your tag back in. I, I don't know if it's 24 or 48 hours, but I mean, right up to the hunt, you can make that decision right at the end. Um, but yeah, the program's going really well. Uh, um, a lot of guys are just really excited about being able to, you know, put that down that small annual amount and be able to, you know, easily afford going on a guided elk hunt when they draw a tag. So it's, it's a win-win for sure. Awesome. Uh, elk Camp TV, uh, give us an update on, on how the TV show's going. Yeah, so we're in season three, and we just finished up with the third quarter on the Sportsman Channel, so we're starting into the fourth quarter. So uh, any of the listeners out there who missed the third quarter or missed any of the episodes, basically all shows that I'm aware of um, repeat um, their third quarter airing will be repeated in the fourth quarter. So those same episodes uh, will repeat in the fourth quarter. Um, so again, if guys have missed them or didn't get them DVR'd or whatnot, um, they can they can check them out on Sportsman Channel. Um, the show does air if they want to catch it live. They can catch it at um, five be five thirty. No, excuse me, seven thirty p.m. Eastern time. So it'd be five thirty p.m. Mountain time on Monday nights. And it also airs at 11:30 a.m. Mountain Time on Mondays as well. So Mondays are, are good a good day to catch it. Good um, stuff. Um, looking you're direct. Yeah. Looking forward to Red Mesa. Um, how? What are your thoughts on how the season will be? Um, it seems like from year to year, there's some years where you have some really really big bulls show up, and then some years where um, they just don't seem to show up. Is there any pattern to that or any thoughts and, and how does this year look and what, what are you thinking? Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, since 2016, we've been a little bit lacking on the big bulls. I, I kind of laugh and say it's when Ron Giles stopped hunting <laughs> he, there. He, he hunted 16 years in a row with me there and, uh, we had a great run there. He's still, uh, he, I think he's got 19 or 20 points in Arizona. So he's going to be hunting with me there real soon. And I'm really looking forward to hunting with Ron down there, but it's kind of like the big bull magic went away when he stopped hunting there. Um, this year though, we've got three or four really nice bulls, um, that I've seen. Good. Um, there's a seven by eight and then there's a straight six that, I would say that's easily 370 plus, which for a Colorado bull, that's a, that's a really big bull. That's a tank. Yeah. 
real great beam length, really wide. He's got really rolling bottom points and thirds. And yeah, I would love to, to put hands on him and just see exactly what he is. For sure. Yeah. Um, and the you mentioned the bugling there at Red Mesa always seems to be consistent. What is it about that you think that, that just doesn't really matter what happens? They still seem to bugle well. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact of the dynamics of that herd and just how they're just wadded up mostly in one big bunch. I mean, it doesn't really lend itself to calling because, you know, there's 150 to 200 elk all together. Right. And so you typically calling, you're just giving away your location and alerting them to the fact that you're there. Um, but I think when you've got, you know, say a hundred plus cows there of various age classes, you've got cows that are coming into estrus at different times mm -hmm. And I think it just keeps everything all wound up and, you know, you'll have 20 to 30 bulls around. It's really weird, Jay, how they can be bugling and super aggressive at each other and they'll fight and chase each other off. But then, you know, a minute later, the bull who lost, who supposedly lost the fight just joins right back into the herd and the chaos <laughs> continues. It's really bizarre. <laughs> we see a lot of that at odd six. So I know what you're talking yeah. about. And it's funny how they get in those big clumps and those big groups, but it makes total sense that if you've got cows at different ages and, you know, first sec first cycle, second cycle, third cycle, you know, um, but you keep them all together. It, it keeps it interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, that's More broken awesome. points for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, w they're breaking it at six. I actually came over here to Carbondale for a few days. Um, just a little bit of a break hunter and I did 34 days in a row and, wow. um, it was nice to get just a handful of days of break here and go back. We've got the ranching yeah. for wildlife hunter, uh, next, uh, Wednesday or this Wednesday coming up. So, Cool. Uh, a week from today, I guess. And um, our bulls are really, really breaking uh, this year. It seems like even more than normal. Um, huh. And I think a lot of it was, you know, still r intense rutting, but just dry conditions and bone density not as good as usual. So right. it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But uh, Steve, it's always great having you on the podcast. I uh, want to give you a chance to let the listeners know how they can reach out to you and um, where they can follow along and, and see more of your stuff. Absolutely. Thank you, Jay. Uh, they can uh, follow us on Instagram at Elk Camp TV, and we're pretty active on there. You know, we put the same posts up on Instagram and Facebook. If it's our Facebook users, they can find us at Chapel Guide Service. And then, of course, they can log on to the website. Probably the easiest way to get there would just be to log into ElkCampTV.com. Uh, or if they want to learn more about that zero hunt fees program, they can log on to zerohuntfees.com. And uh, on on those websites or on that website, my cell phone number is listed at the bottom and my email, so they can feel free to reach out directly to me. Uh, my response time in the fall is a little bit delayed just because I don't have great cell and internet service, but I, I welcome anybody to reach out, out to me and uh, fill out those contact forms, and that way I have their information and can get back with them. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for uh, coming on and sharing with us and uh, tell your dad hello there at uh, Red Mesa. And I look forward to uh, seeing your success there. It's always great just watching those bulls scream and bugle and and uh, you guys have a great, great place there. So uh, God bless and uh, we'll pray for uh, better uh, seasons next year.
Yeah, no doubt, Jay. Thank you. It was great being on with you again. God bless, and uh, hope those hunts on the Ot 6 go well for you as you continue. All right, buddy. Thanks. Talk with you soon. Bye. Bye.